So, Father, we bless you for your son, Jesus, Mary's baby boy. We honor you, Lord Jesus, that you would humble yourself and you would take on flesh and you would dwell among us. That you would suffer and die on the cross so that you would give us eternal life. Black Lives Matter is... It's true, all lives matter is true, but what's really true is eternal life matters. So, Father, we thank you for those of us who are here today who are saved by your grace through faith. We thank you for the eternal life we have because of your baby boy, Jesus. And now, Father, would you be so kind as to open the eyes of the blind today and to help those who don't know you as Lord and Savior to see their need for you. It's to that end, Father, that I am available to you. And I ask all of these things in Jesus' name, I pray, amen and amen. If you have your devices, I want you to meet me in 1 Peter chapter 5. And as you're going there, we're going to do something different today. I'm only going to preach for about 20 or so minutes. I'll grab that from you later, babe. Um, uh, But but we've got a special element we're going to add to to our time of studying God's Word, and uh, it has to do with the elders of the church. And I want to invite the elders of the church to come on up now and to, and to just occupy uh, these seats. Um, if you're a member of Abundant Life, these are, these are God's leaders uh, that he has, he has appointed here. Uh, for us. So 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, as you're making your way there, um, we had some technical difficulties. We'll get that solved next week. We're not able to show you the uh, the men's huddle, um, 33, the series that we're doing, but there are signups in the lobby, and I want to encourage you, uh, men, you need to be a part of that. You, you need to be growing. We need to be growing in who we are as men. In fact, um, 1 Corinthians 16, the Bible exhorts us to act like men. But we got to figure out what does that mean? Because we live in a world that won't show us. And so we got to figure out there's a lot, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of boys stuck in a man's body. And we're in this thing called extended adolescence. And adolescence is simply defined as wanting the privileges of adulthood without the responsibilities. I promise you my microphone's not working today. We'll get it figured out uh, next week. But you have a lot of people who want the privileges of adulthood, who want to be treated as if they're grown, but they don't want to act grown. And so what we're going to do here at the church, this is not a place that beats up men. We want to equip men to be men who lead like Jesus Christ, who are humble leaders and who are servants. And so that's what our men's huddle is about. Um, I, I went to it. Uh, many of these elders were a part of it. I want to encourage you, if you've got a son around 10, 11, 12 years old, bring your son to it. Uh, but, but get there and do whatever you can. It's just six weeks. We're going to run through it. It's a great time of fellowship, and you can sign up sign up in the lobby. Now, let me just say one more thing before we get to the study of God's Word. I'm really, really excited. Um, God's really opened up some opportunities for me to just come alongside of what's already happening at Stanford University. I've done a couple of chapels, and there's athletes being led to faith in Jesus Christ and being discipled in their faith. And one of, amen, amen. 
And one of the main reasons to do that, it, it, one of the main reasons that's happening is because of the leadership of John Easterhouse and his wife, Megan. And uh, I want them to stand real quick. They're on staff with crew, John and Megan Easterhouse, and, uh, and they are here. So we honor you and we esteem you. We're grateful for you. So, um, and maybe this is a rhema word. I just know with, with crew people, my parents were on crew for years. They, um, they have an interesting structure. They raise support, and they're dependent upon the gifts of others. So if you feel led by the Spirit to say, um, we want to pray and add to your support team, you can do that. They didn't ask me to say that, but um, I guess they can thank me later. First Peter chapter 5, uh, pick me up in verse 1. We've been making our way through the book of 1 Peter. We finish next week, and this has been a good study. And so today, I have the elders on stage, and we're going to talk about elders. Why? Because the Bible talks about elders. So pick me up in verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter writes, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, here it is, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves all of you with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. Every time I see that, I just I picture, picture myself, whenever I walk in humility, the image is, is I'm, a, I'm a tackle. I'm on the offensive line. And across the line from me is Reggie White. God says, when you walk in pride, I get in a three-point stance across from you. I oppose the proud, but give grace to the humble. Uh, we've all felt um, and thought strategically about the various dimensions of our lives. For example... It's a no-brainer when it comes to your teeth. You outsource the maintenance and the care of your teeth to dentists. When it comes to your hair, however fleeting they, that may be, and I think I'm going to transition this summer. Praise the Lord for Michael Jordan. He done set us free. Because um, black people don't look good in toupees anyways, but we can talk about that later. Hopefully I didn't offend anybody. I'm sorry. Um, but when it comes to the care and maintenance of our hairs, we consult barbers and stylists. When it comes to our bodies, we 
entrust them to doctors who will look after our bodies in times of concern and emergency, but also in times when everything is going well. When it comes to our emotions, that dimension of who we are, and there are seasons of maybe pain and brokenness and depression, and we've all gone through stuff like that. We outsource the care and nurture of our emotions at times to therapists. But now let me ask you a question. When it comes to the deepest level of who you are, and here I'm not just talking about your teeth or your hair, your bodies, your emotions, but the deepest levels of who you are, our souls. Who does God want us to entrust our souls to? Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 tells us, look at it with me on the screen. The writer of Hebrews says, obey your leaders and submit to them. This is scary. For they are keeping watch over your souls. Elders, this scares me. As those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy. And not with groaning. For that would be no advantage to you. Here is a heavy thought. And admittedly, I don't get all the dimensions of this concept. But if I read Hebrews 13, 17 right, God says that my ordained will for my people, I have outsourced the care, maintenance, and nurture of your souls to a group of godly individuals called elders. They have been charged, they have been tasked with the responsibility of giving oversight to your souls. Or to say it a different way, what dentists are to teeth, what hairstylists is to hair, what doctors are to bodies, what therapists are to emotions, elders are to our souls. That's deep. And I want you to sit in that truth. We're not saying we're God. We're not. But God has so ordered and designed the local ecclesia, the church, to be structured and governed and led by a group of godly individuals whose job it is to give oversight to your souls. Now, if ever there's a reason to join a church, that's it. If you're sitting here and you're not a member of the church, of a church period, the question on the table is, who's watching out for your soul? Who's looking out for your soul? Who's, who's praying over your soul? To be clear... We're talking about elders today, and the reason why we're talking about elders is because we do a kind of teaching here at Abundant Life called expository teaching, which Alistair Begg, this, this pastor in Cleveland, he says expository teaching is simply letting the text set the agenda for the message. I love that. I don't set the agenda. God sets the agenda. So we're just kind of making our way through the word of God, and we just stumbled into this passage on elders, and, and here we're talking about elders, and what you need to understand is... 
is that when we talk about elders, this is a concept, parenthetically, that, um, that's really steeped, uh, really some scholars say, back in the time of Moses, uh, when Moses was kind of running the nation of Egypt, and he was, excuse me, the nation of Israel, and he was just going crazy as he's giving leadership to the nation. One day his, his father-in-law stops him and says, man, it's not good what you're doing. You weren't designed as one individual to give oversight to all of this. What you need to do is you need to appoint other leaders who are going to help shoulder the burden with you. So that's God's will. And so if we just kind of track with it, even on through the Old Testament, one of the things you'll see is every Jewish city in the Old Testament was led by a group of godly men who would sit at the gates of the city and give leadership to that city. Those individuals were called elders. In fact, some of us can remember, if you've ever read the story of Ruth, the last chapter, here is Boaz going to the elders of that city who are meeting at the gates saying, I need you to help me process and make this decision as it relates to the kinsman redeemer. These are elders, a group of individuals who gather. Now we come to the New Testament, and if you read the book of Titus, the book of First Timothy, if you read through the book of Acts, one of the things you see over and over and over again is God's ordained will for the leadership of the church are elders. Now let me just stop right here and send you a quick text message. God's ordained will is not that the church would be led by a solo dictator. So some of you all are going to be here for, for a season and then maybe work will transfer you out or maybe you're a college student and you're, you're going to graduate from college and you're going to move on to someplace else. Let me just help you out here. One of the things you need to be able to discern as you're vetting new churches here is you need to be able to discern not only is this a place that teaches the word, but you need to be able to discern is is the primary teaching pastor, that lead pastor, that senior pastor, what is his accountability structure within the church? If no one can yank his chain, if no one can correct him, if no one can sit him down, if no one can push back on him, that is not a recipe for a healthy church. Now let me go the other extreme. The other extreme is it's equally not as healthy to have a church that is congregationally led. Uh, not, not that many people clapped on that. I know some churches, you got to vote on everything. The color of the carpet and the, where we're going to put the water fountain and all that. Vote, 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 vote. What God has ordained is that the highest levels of leadership within the local church is that it is led by a group, a plurality of godly leaders who are called and known as elders. Now, what do these elders do? Verse, verse 1. Peter says, I exhort... Greek word for exhort. He's writing in Greek, parakaleo. Parakaleo means to come alongside of. It's as if he's wrapping his arm around us. He's not, um, he's not this isn't hellfire and brimstone. Uh, he's not being a dictator here. He's just saying, look, I want to plead with you. I want to come alongside of you as I'm, as I'm just kind of walking with you as a church. I, I want to exhort you. I want to plead with the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Here's what he's pleading. Shepherd, 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 shepherd the flock of God. 
Here Peter is saying that at the end of the day, fundamentally, if you want to whittle down what elders do, fundamentally, they are called to to shepherd. Elders are not primarily CFOs who sit in a room and manage spreadsheets and just always talk about budgets. They're shepherds. Elders are not primarily uh, CEOs. They're shepherds. Elders are not primarily a governing board who votes on and tweaks bylaws. They're shepherds. Now, to be sure, do we look at spreadsheets? Absolutely. To be sure, do we process budgets? Absolutely. But when you talk about shepherds, shepherds walk with sheep. They're with the people. They know their name. They're praying with them. They're counseling them. They're walking with them. They smell like sheep. They're, they're shepherds. They're shepherds. They're shepherds. Now, 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 follow with me here. If we're shepherds, then that implies you're sheep. And if there's one thing we know about sheep, I ain't going to call you dumb. I ain't, I ain't calling you dumb. I'm not calling you dumb. Seriously, seriously, seriously. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going there. Um, because the average shepherd would actually say sheep aren't dumb. If there's one word, though, that describes sheep, it's the word vulnerable. Sheep, and it's a hard word to receive, are fundamentally Vulnerable. Sheep aren't these menacing, intimidating creatures. Now, I'm new to the Bay Area, but I'm a guest. I, I, I'm a guest. There's no such thing as Palo Alto lambs. Or if you went to Sequoia High School, I'm a guest. Your mascot was not the Sequoia sheep or the Golden State sheep. I mean, can you imagine? Well, we got who we got on the schedule. So we got the Golden State Sheep. Ain't nothing intimidating about the Golden State. But I have heard of the Detroit Lions and the Detroit Tigers and the Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Why is it that no one picks a lamb or sheep to be their mascot? Because they're vulnerable. They're not the hunter. They're the hunted. They're, they're these individuals, they're, the, they're these creatures, here's what the Bible says, who are prone to wander. Part of the reason for this is, is sheep, they get caught in their own worlds. They nibble, 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 nibble with their heads down and they hardly ever look up. And so what they need are shepherds who will come alongside of them and lift their heads and alert them to danger and to lead them. Because if they don't have that, I love what one shepherd says. One shepherd says, you know what we call sheep without a shepherd? Mutton on a stick. Vulnerable. In fact, I want you to look at the screen now. This is an actual thing that happened. In 2005, there were 450 sheep who were nibbling, nibbling, nibbling in Turkey, and they nibbled themselves off a cliff, and all 450 of them died. Sheep get caught up in their own little worlds. They need shepherds who will look out for them. It's true of you. you. You need individuals who will come alongside of you, 
who will protect you, who will alert you to danger. I'll never forget being in being in Israel, and I was on a 17-day tour of the Holy Land. It was a different kind of tour. We, we walked our way through the Holy Land. I remember common sight, you're, you would come up on flock of sheep, and I'll never forget being over there. Not only did you see shepherds, but you saw these specially trained dogs that had these collars, and protruding from their collars were these sharp, pointy objects. And I remember asking, why is that? And one shepherd said, well, well, well it's to protect the sheep from wolves, and when wolves attack, they typically go for the neck, and, and these things are guarded to not only alert the sheep, but to actually do all that the sheep, that, that, the, that the dog can do to kill these wolves as well. It's very important, parenthetically, in everybody, and this is going to be a hard statement. In every church, I've learned that there are three individuals. There's, there's sheep, there's goats, people who think they're sheep, but not really, not really saved. And there's wolves. Hard statement, you don't pet wolves, you shoot them. When you have discerned over a period of time that there are individuals in a church who are being used of Satan to prey on sheep, you don't play with that. So part of what that means is elders, we're not bad cops, but we're constantly looking out, constantly looking out, constantly looking out. And I love this. I want you to go back to Hebrews 13. Because we're constantly looking out, Hebrews 13, verse 17, Obey your leaders, submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them, I love this, I love this, I love this. Let them do this with joy. Don't make it hard for us to pray for you. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. So what we need to, what you need to hear is, look, I'm vulnerable. I need to be a part of a church where there's shepherds speaking into my life. And I want to do everything that I can that allows these men to do it with joy. They, they come along and let, 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 let me just say, being an elder a lot of times is almost like being a sound guy. The only time you notice us is when something's wrong. Sometimes it feels like we can be the tonsils of the church where we catch all the infection. And I want to encourage you, encourage these men. They won't say it. But there's sometimes you get an email from some people in the church. As soon as you see, your na- as soon as you see their name, you just go, it's about this fitting to be something. Don't be that kind of person. Encourage. Doesn't mean you can't push back. But have them, the writer of Hebrews says, do it with joy. Let me give you three quick things as we close that Peter says elders are to be about as shepherds. Look at verse 2. Peter says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. I love it. Not under compulsion, but willingly. First thing he says is that elders should elder with a sense of passion. These men aren't forced into it. They're not drafted into it. In fact, he would go on to say, look at what he says later on in that verse, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those, underline this phrase, in your charge. That phrase, in your charge, literally means to cast the lots. 
If you understand anything about casting lots, which is the New Testament equivalent, the, the modern day equivalent of rolling dice, the idea of casting lots, whatever you casted your lot for, if the lot fell on you, whatever it was that you received because that lot fell on you, they would always interpret that, even pagans, as that being the assignment of the gods for your life. So here we see, for example, as Jesus is dying on the cross, they're casting lots as he's dying, the Roman soldiers, for his robe. And here's how they would interpret it. Whoever that lot fell on and they got the robe, they would always interpret it as that was the God's ordained assignment for my life. That's the word Peter uses when he says that you are in our charge. In other words, Peter says, I want you to understand, elders, this is your assignment. It's a God-ordained assignment. That's why we don't get into this flippantly. We don't. We, th- this is not something that we call ourselves to do. It's an assignment. And likewise, abundant life, they are God's ordained assignment for your life. This is what elders do. And they're to do it with a sense of passion. Not only that, secondly, they're to do it with pure motives. He says, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, hear it, I love it, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. The idea of shameful gain, it was literally used of someone who was in it for the money. Jesus has some strong words to say about this. I want you to look at the screen with me at John chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. Jesus says these words, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Hear it. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Here's what he's saying. You can always tell someone who's in it for the paycheck versus someone who's fully invested. A person who's in it just for the paycheck and the perks, as soon as the heat gets turned up, they're out. Listen to Abundant Life. These guys, they're not asking me to say this. I, I, just, I just want you to understand some of the most encouraging things to me, especially when I was flying back and forth from New York uh, to San Francisco during that three, four month stretch as we were waiting for our kids to get out of school. And, you know, it's these guys, I, I want to tell you, if they were in, in it for the perks, they wouldn't be here because there, there hadn't been much perks. There's been a lot of bad mouthing and talking about. And one of the most frustrating things for me since, you know, being called here as lead pastor is, you know, I sit down with other lead pastors and they're going, man, how's it going at Abundant Life? And how are those elders? And I tell them, oh, it's great. It's probably the best elder team I've ever been a part of in my life. But do you know why they say that? You know why they say that? Because when this mess was happening and people were talking they took the high road. They, they said, we're not going to defend ourselves. We're going to let the good shepherd defend us. 
And so it, it fills me with pride for me to be able to stand here as one of the elders and to say, you're looking at a group of elders who are not in it for shameful gain. Thirdly, and finally, he says, listen, elders, do it with passion, pure motives, but thirdly, do it with the right posture, the right posture. Look at what he says in verse three, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, here it is, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. He says, I want you, he's, he's, he's concerned here, and I've seen it in, d- in different elder teams I've been in. He says, I- I'm really concerned, elders, you're not in it for status. You're not in it for significance. You're not in it, you don't lead by position. It's not how you lead. Don't domineer. In fact, Jesus would say it this way in Mark chapter 10. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, here it is, lord it over them. They're into power trips. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So he says, elders, I want you to be very clear. Don't domineer. So in the coming years, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited. We, 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 we want to add more elders to the team. And man, we'd, we'd love to, you know, increase diversity, both age-wise and ethnic, ethnicity-wise. But there are no quotas when it comes to elders. In fact, what I've learned over the years is, hear it, an elder elders with or without the title. Let me give that to you again. An elder elders with or without a title. Uh, I remember um, this other church that I served, one of the elders who gave me the most fits was before we called him, he used to wear sweats, athletic suits to church all the time. The Sunday after we called him, he started dressing up. And I just looked and said, that's going to be a problem. Because what that showed me was the title meant a lot more to you than what it should. Peter is saying, Elders don't elder from titles. In fact, he says, the posture of an elder is really one of humility. Let's go home on this one. He says it this way in verse 5, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Make, make a note of this word here, clothe, clothe, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That word clothe in the Greek, it literally means apron. It was used only by servants. So the servant would put the apron on and you could immediately tell this is a servant. When Peter says, clothe yourselves elders with humility, he says, let it be no question, servants. Servants. We're not in it for titles, we're not in it to domineer. We serve, we serve, we serve. And, and all these men will tell you the real deal here. To be an elder really is a bivocational call. It's working a second job. 
But we do it not from a posture of being a hired hand, not from titles. We do it from a posture of humility. Oh, by the way, he says, not just the elders clothe yourself, all of you. In other words, amen. The whole church should be wearing shabby clothing. And when we do that, we won't look so shabby because we're humbling ourselves towards one another. I want to take just a few moments as we round out our time together. And just, I just felt like as we were just walking through the book of First Peter, I knew we were going to be talking about what it means to be an elder. Um, I just felt like this was a wonderful opportunity for you all to hear not just some theological truth on what elders do, who they're to be about, but I also just felt like it would be an incredible opportunity for you guys to be able to hear from their hearts as well. So I just want to ask a couple of questions, guys, and do we have a mic? And um, just as you feel led by the Spirit of God, um, let's just kind of go with the flow here. But, but the first question, as you all are elders, I'm sure each of you kind of had a general idea when you got called to be an elder of what an elder was. But then you stepped into it, sort of like, sort of like being a husband, right? You had a general idea of what that was like. Then you stepped into it. And, and there's been some surprises, I would imagine. What surprised you the most as you stepped into your role as an elder? For me, um, I knew that, uh, when God called me to be an elder that my family would support me. They would pray for me, and uh, I knew that they were behind me. The challenge that I had at one point was uh, when things got tough and we as leaders made choices, I didn't know that my family would have to bear the weight of some of the brunt of the bad things that were happening, uh, where my daughters would get accosted in the lobby or my wife would be accosted because of decisions that we made. Um, so in that regard, um, I would probably have been in more prayer to ask them, do they want to be on the front line with me? They supported me anyway, but that was a surprise for me. Amen. Someone else. Um, I think the biggest surprise for me when I was called was um, I knew it was a lot uh, as Rocky, but understanding what it really means. Um, I haven't changed who I am. I still kind of serve where I must. I sit in similar place I've always sat. Um, but the biggest, like I said, surprise was I can still be me. You know, if you look at what the world would call being an elder, you got to, you know, some places they do it very differently. I'm not saying it's wrong. I don't judge, but it's different. But I'm just being Ezekiel and I'm going to be the best Ezekiel I can be. But it surprised me that I was started being called elder Ezekiel. I just want to be called brother. Hey, man, you know. Um, I, don't, I don't need special treatment, but it did surprise me that in the eyes of others, I was different, and I'm not. 
I'm still the same Ezekiel I've always been at this church. And I'll continue to be that Ezekiel. But it did surprise me that to some members it was, a, it was different all of a sudden. I sensed it. So that was a surprise. Um, but just to set the record straight, Ezekiel Harvey, past president, with God's help moving forward, is going to be the same Ezekiel Harvey going through seasons just like you're going through seasons. So that was my biggest surprise. So, you can say something, yeah. uh, To me, as being one of the, uh, <clears throat> the younger elders on the board, uh, what, what, newer. Su- he meant to say newer. Okay. <laughs> no. What, what, surpri- what surprised me the most is also, uh, uh, I guess, the title elder. But it, it surprised me in a way that, you know, it, it humbled me. You know, it, it, I mean, I look at it as, you know, as a very serious responsibility, but it, it really humbled me. And what I would say, I think, going forward would be the fact that, you know, I just want your prayers. I just want you to continue to pray for us. And, and for me personally, you know, I, I think learning to listen to the sheep has been very important to me. And not think that, you know, I always have the answer every time, but just listen and pray and just be humble because it, it is a humbling experience. Amen. Thank you. Well, there's, there's, of course, sweet moments in being an elder. You know, um, I would imagine there's been times in which you've gotten in the car at the end of some kind of an eldering experience and you said in so many words, that's exactly what I signed up for. Can you share maybe one of those moments that, that you've had? As an elder, I'll tell you about a sweet moment. Had quite a few sweet moments. Uh, for me, um, I remember serving on the board, and we were probably at the time little. Uh, we were a growing church, and uh, we were praying about how to expand from Menlo Park to Mountain View. And I remember being in prayer sessions with the elders for months about what God wanted to do next with Abundant Life. And uh, we said, we're going to move. And I remember coming to, you know, starting the process in real estate to look for land. And uh, I'm a real estate person. And uh, I, I just saw God took the little that we had we had a small property in East Palo Alto. It was I think when we sold it, it was like $250,000. And we're in this multi-million dollar facility. I remember praying with the brothers and saying, Lord, like Pastor said earlier, we're going to have to do, we're going to have to really believe God to make this big move to Mountain View. And um, what I love the most was being a part of that. It's amazing to be a part of something that starts small, starts with a dream, starts with praying, starts with believing God. And um, I remember going back to the elder board after we began the process of this Lakeland project. And I told them, I said, thank you. I said, my life has changed. I said, I began to see, it's not the material saints. It's just seeing God do something 
from beginning to end. And, and to think that I would be a part of it, to just think that when I came here, my wife and I have been here 22 years, to think that I would be a part of something like that, it actually has transformed us to the today. It's literally, it's nothing you can say to me. I just believe God. He's so good. So I'm just looking forward to what the Lord will do. And so Lakehorn really transformed my life. And I pray that for each one of you, that as you begin to dream with us, that God will do something like that. Well, he starts right there and he takes us to another place. Amen. That's uh, awesome. I, I want to say for me, I always love that scripture that when Jesus said, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. So for me, it's the behind-the-scenes things. Uh, one of the sweet moments for me was laying hands on a, a 13-year-old who was dying of cancer and still brings tears to my eyes and uh, comforting that family. Mm-hmm. And I could take all the hits, whatever you want to say, to, to comfort a family behind the scenes and to do the work of the Lord. That's the work of the Lord for me. It's not being in the forefront. It's encouraging the sheep, doing hard times, good times. So that's my sweet moment. Um, just a couple that I would share. First off, I think from a personal perspective, um, it, being an elder really starts in your personal life and in your home life. Uh, because if you want to be a shepherd, uh, God's given you a shepherd of your own life, your testimony, whether it's um, at school or at home or at work. You have a testimony at home. And I think the Lord has really uh, shown into my life how I can be a better husband, be a better father. It starts at home. Uh, so that's been really, a, um, not saying that I wouldn't have done it if I hadn't been an elder, but uh, it's always good to recognize that the shepherding starts at home, and then you can, uh, God sees you, and there's always so much that I can learn more of being a husband and a father. Um, I think a second um, great moment was just November last year to see the seeds of, of peace and reconciliation um, at the service where we welcomed Pastor Paul Shepherd. Um, I think that was a, a testimony in the Silicon Valley to have this church brimming, 3,000 plus people, um, just to show that we are peacemakers. We seek to bless it other peacemakers because they will be known the children of God. Um, and third, just I, I have been so privileged to, um, I did not know these brothers as well, um, you know, and I thought, of my, thought to myself, what a shame. I've been here 16, 17 years and I didn't really get to know these brothers hmm. really well in the last Three, four years for me have been just sweet fellowship because I can tell you honestly, I will spend eternity with these brothers uh, and I will be so delighted with that. And just tasting, you know, we sing that song, Heaven Came Down and Glory Filled My Soul. Many of us expect to taste some of that just in heaven, but when we can taste um, an aspect of sweet fellowship um, on earth, we get a taste of what heaven's going to be like. And I can tell you that I have tasted that among these brothers. Amen. Amen. Last question. Last question. How can we pray for you? How can this body pray for us as elders? I would say that I think God has so much in store for us in the years to come. I think we should all always be on our knees about praying for unity, peace, 
and that the birthmark of abundant life would be one that people will see love. Yeah. And that we would be attractive to a dying world that needs to know the good news. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing I would add to that is that, you know, just continue to keep us in prayer and continue to uh, pray that we will listen uh, to the Holy Spirit and that we'll be guided by the Holy Spirit and not by our own uh, ambitions. And always, always remember, uh, Abundant Life, that we serve, a, uh, we serve a mighty God and we serve an on-time God. Amen? Amen. I would just say, you know, the difference between a board and the world is they all seek, as Brian pointed out, to lift themselves up. It's all about status. It's all about symbol. It's all about position, degrees, all the things the world the kingdom of God is exactly as we heard in the preface to this, exactly the opposite. Pray that we would go down, that we'd become more and more humble. Amen. Uh, and we have gone a long way, uh, me certainly, but certainly all of us and all of, all of us in the church, to becoming like the chief shepherd that was the humblest of all. Amen. Um, and um, when we think we are rising up, God sends something in our life that will humble us. Amen. And when Amen. that happens, it's just exactly what we need. So it's the exact opposite system of the world, where the people on the stage are lifted up. We seek to be the humblest and pray that we can continue to be humble and serve. I'd like to sort of add to that. Um, also pray that we continue to uh, get closer to you, because our job, as the pastor has said, is to get to know you better such that we can help lift you up towards the cross Amen. and to the extent that you see us we're approachable uh, and I, what I mean by that is you don't feel as if like Zeke said because we have this title that you can't approach us I would love to get to know everybody and I won't remember your name unless you wear a name tag but I will remember your heart and there's a brother that said today that I'm going through my 38th radiation and I just need you to pray for me. And I said, listen, I want to know when you get halfway, I want to be there for you. That's the kind of thing I want you to pray for with us, that we can draw ourselves closer to you to help us all lift up towards the cross. Uh, for me, uh, I'd say it's pray for us as a body. I think it mirrors what Rocky said. We should know each other. Love is what it does. And that means I should know, you know, we should know each other, not just the elders to you, but you to each other. So I pray that God continue to strengthen our body, to encourage us to be open to one another as far as what's going on in our lives. Uh, I live by creed, uh, I learned at the academy of choosing the harder right over the easier wrong. And I think just in this season, I want us to choose God's way over the world's way. And it's easy to say that, but everyone in here knows that's hard to do on a daily basis. It's a daily struggle. So you can pray for the elders, but I think that's a prayer for our entire church as God moves us forward because he's in charge. Let's make sure that we keep our eyes on him. Amen. Well, one of the first things I said when I got here, and we're out the door, but one of the first things I said when I got here and just kind of heard their stories, um, what they haven't shared is several of them have had cancer um, on top of working full-time jobs, providing for families, loving on you. Um, and I, I just want you to know, um, and they would never say this, 
but you've got a group of sacrificing godly men who love you all greatly and deeply. And I, I want to constantly encourage you to encourage them. Uh, and when the Spirit of God puts them in your mind, pray for them, send an email, a text message, so on and so forth. But I've got uh, a plaque I want to give each one of them. And just to say how much, um, seriously, you guys are my heroes. You're really my heroes. And you put your lives on the line for the sheep. And I just want you to know that we cancel every assignment of the enemy who would seek to drag your name through the mud. You are valued and appreciated here. And we mean it. We absolutely mean it. Let me just read to you what it says. It's got your individual name on it, but it says, in recognition for your courageous, sacrificial service in laying your life down and standing in the gap on behalf of the flock. Abundant life is thriving because of you. First Peter chapter 5, verse 4, given this day, December 11th, 2016. One more time, round of applause. Let me have you men stand down here, right on the floor here if we could. So as we prepare to leave, they're going to be available like they are every Sunday to pray with you. This is a wonderful opportunity to shepherd. We're not going to do an official public invitation, but maybe some of you want to come to one of these men and either encourage them or you might want to go, man, um, there's something that's going on in my life. I'd love some prayer. Or maybe you'd love to know Jesus for the first time. The same Jesus these men know. They'd love to share with you about that. We, we like to end every week just with a declaration, and then we end with three words saying, You are sent. Would you say these words with me that are on the screen? Father, thank you for our elders. These men you have gifted to us who keep watch over our souls. We pray for them that you would care and watch over them as they care and watch over us. Find us to be deep encouragers of them so that they would lead us with joyful passion, pure motives, and the right posture. We willingly submit to their leadership as they submit to yours. Amen. You are sent abundant life. Have a great week.